0: Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry-based credential, along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org. And by Oxbow Rum Distillery, local family-grown small-batch rum, embodying the essence of Louisiana sugarcane harvest. Oxbowrumdistillery.com.
1: From Mansur's on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. It's business, Baton Rouge style.
2: Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. When it comes to quality of life measures, Louisiana ranks near last in every category, especially health-related categories like life expectancy and rates of diabetes, cancer, hypertension, and heart disease. And we have some of the worst outcomes of any state in the U.S. But entrepreneurially-minded medical and health experts are trying to help address this by using new models of healthcare delivery and coming up with ways to engage underserved communities. Joining me today to discuss this is Dr. Charles Sasser, a primary care physician based here in Baton Rouge whose practice, it's called Direct Primary Care, represents a new and intriguing business model for healthcare delivery. Instead of traditional fee-for-service model where a doctor's visit or a hospital stay is paid for primarily by a third party like an insurance company, with Direct Primary Care you join the group pay a monthly fee that depending on your age might be 50 or 75 dollars and then when you need to see the doctor you schedule it and that's it no copays, no bills and the lab and test costs you might need are charged at the wholesale rate with health care costs skyrocketing and insurance rates increasing by double digits every year the direct primary care model is growing around the country and it could be the wave of the future but if it's so enticing why isn't everyone doing it That's what Charles will explain to us today. Charles, thank you so much for joining us on Out to Lunch. I can't wait to dig into the details here. Fascinating.
3: Awesome, thank you. Appreciate you having me. Um.
2: With me and Charles at the table is Ellen McKnight Hill, a registered dietitian and public health advocate with the Maxine Firm, a nutrition, wellness, and public health firm focused on culturally appropriate public health engagement. The firm's primary objective is chronic disease prevention in urban and rural communities, and it offers a variety of services, including seminars, webinars, and other community outreach efforts to bring wellness and nutrition education to those who may not know how to integrate healthy eating and regular exercise into their daily lives. Ellen is a principal with the firm and one of its founders. She joined in 2017 after working for many years with the federal government doing program evaluation in 13 parishes around the state. Ellen, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. And what you are doing is so very important and much needed in this state. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Stephanie. Lovely to be here. So, Charles, tell us just a little bit, um, and before we got started, you were giving me sort of an overview of it. How does this work? How are you able to afford to do it?
3: Well, the um, multiple studies show that when you look at where a lot of the major costs in healthcare come, it's really in what we call downstream costs, costs that are associated with expensive diagnostics, with specialized referral, and a lot of times... um, those aren't necessarily appropriate, and it's not that your physician is uh, not competent. Um, it's rather he tends to he or she tends to uh, have a lack of time. Um, on average, people are seeing 25 to 30 patients a day, and they're spending on average nine minutes face to face with that patient. Um, so it's very hard to really think of uh, management of you know complicated and chronic disease. So the reliance. Uh, turns to studies, tests, referrals, um, that, you know, most physicians could very well handle themselves if they had the time. Um, so concierge, when we use that term, what we're talking about is reducing patient panel size. A typical internist has 3,000 patients assigned to them. Um, in the concierge world, it tends to be 500 to 700, um when you get to that smaller model, then you can spend time and use the brain that God gave you and you've spent years developing uh, to diagnose and manage folks, not just rely on the expensive downstream methods.
2: So so we'll pause it there so we can bring Ellen into the conversation in a minute. But so basically you're like a concierge doctor, except it's more affordable. It's not just for wealthy people. This is a concierge model that regular folks can access correct all Um, right you're gonna tell us how that how that works in a minute but Ellen I want to talk about the Maxine firm for a minute too because it's such such an important mission and and the way you describe it is culturally appropriate public health engagement what exactly does that mean and specifically with respect to the culturally appropriate piece of this
1: yeah, so oftentimes when we think about wellness when we think about eating healthy or exercise or mental health you know there's a picture that we have in our minds and some for, for some folks that picture is stuffy that picture is boring that picture is uninteresting especially when we're talking about physical activity and so what we've been able to do is bring these uh, concepts around wellness to communities who are thinking about wellness because they're thinking about survival they're thinking about the day-to-day uh, and make it fun so um, if it is physical activity we're not talking about exercise we're talking about uh we're talking about jig aerobics we're talking about dancing about jig aerobics oh yeah what we're is jig aerobics about, jig aerobics is a phenomenal sensation that was started on the campus of southern university uh, by la dante lots and um essentially it's just a high intensity uh dance session but you're going to burn about 1,500 calories during this dance we session, right? Um, so we've been able to do this across the state of Louisiana and outside of the state of Louisiana, but it makes people who would not generally move make some want to move. And we know that we want to have at least 30 to 60 minutes of physical activity a day. And so um, this is just one of the ways that you can do that. So, yeah, and when we talk about cultural appropriateness, let's talk about the food piece. I'm from Louisiana, so I know all about great food. But well, what we want to encourage people... Um, to still have their traditional foods, but have them in a healthier way so they don't feel as restrictive and they can kind of stay out of the type 2 diabetes realm, the hypertension realm. So, we're keeping our cultural foods, figuring out ways to make them healthier without, you know, abandoning our culture here in Louisiana as it relates to the good food. Fantastic.
2: And and when we talk about hypertension and, and diabetes, those are very much the kinds of um, chronic conditions you treat with your patients. Charles, how do people who, you know, have these, how do you, how are you able to afford to treat them for 50 to $75 a month given escalating healthcare costs? What is this model? How do the numbers work?
3: Sure. So it's, um, it's somewhat specific to, um, primary care. So either internal medicine or family medicine. Um, and several studies have shown that the, um, the administration of insurance accounts for around 70% of your overhead in a primary care practice. Um, so you're good. You're good with that number. Cause yeah. that's huge. I mean, that's a solid number I could quote. Yep. And right. so you take, um, in theory, um, 30% of the revenue and you would, your income would be the same. So you're able to reduce your patient panel because you you don't have the huge overhead of dealing with insurance. Um, so that's how it works. That's
2: great. And how many patients do you need to have in your panel to make it work? How many do you see?
3: Um, how many patients do I have uh, assigned my to my clinic? Get, yeah. um, right now we're at 400. Um, and um, most practices uh, tend to stop taking patients somewhere in the 700 to 1,000 range. Um, in that you stop being able to deliver your product. Um, With a new patient, um, when we see in clinic, we, excuse me, we book for an hour and a half. Um, And existing patients are 45 minutes. One of the things that's really nice um, that sometimes folks don't fully get initially is um, to submit a bill to insurance, um, you have to document at least two elements of a physical exam. So that's why a lot of times your doctor says, I need to see you. Um, that's the only way to be paid. Hmm. Um, I don't file with insurance. I don't need to see people for very routine things. So medication refills, we have a secure communication system. People just text. um, On our end, it's going through our medical record first, so it's encrypted, it's HIPAA compliant, um, but I need a refill on my blood pressure medication, come pick it up, it's ready. Um, uh, That we have the ability to dispense our own prescriptions. When I write a prescription I fill it in clinic um, and we then sell it at a wholesale price so it's cheaper and it's more convenient for the patient as well. Is
2: direct primary care like a network and you're flying that flag locally as almost like a a licensee or is this your own concept modeled after something that you know is going on? Well
3: the concept is um, very prevalent nationally. there are a few organizations that have started to have multiple uh practices but in general um uh, the stereotypical direct primary care physician is a fiercely independent um, uh, physician who does not want to be a part of uh, an organization that's why they left employed positions um, so my my practice is completely independent i'm a 100 percent owner of it um, uh, the model is um, Prevalent, is prevalent nationally. Some of what I've been doing locally in the Baton Rouge area is a little bit different, uh, working with self-insured businesses. Um, uh, but the, the model itself is uh, a, a big thing nationally. Yep. It just hasn't come here very quickly.
2: So interesting. Well, speaking of, of the model and the concept, Ellen, the Maxine firm, whose idea was it? And are there other firms doing this locally,
1: nationally? Well, I'm not certain if there are other firms doing it locally or nationally, but it was the idea of myself and of a couple of other my colleagues. So the firm is run by a network of minori- minority women in healthcare. Locally. Locally. Love that. Okay. Um, we all met in college and um we're all in different healthcare fields. So there's nurse practitioner, primary care provider, um, a clinical psychologist, and then a master gardener, right? And so there is a horticultural component because, you know, food is justice and we want folks to know that they can command their own health by growing their own food. You know, that's the agricultural science in me. I can't get away from it. Um, But uh, the idea came about because myself and um, my friend at the time, we were in gospel choir. She was in clinical psychology. And, you know, we were talking, her work was around uh, nutrition and mental health, how the things that we eat impact anxiety and depression, so on and so forth. And so, um, you know, we are just so casually eating all these different things, and anxiety is on the rise, depression is on the rise. This is what back in 2006, and folks really weren't talking about mental health that much. We were like, hey, we need to talk about this. We need to kind of identify some of these foods, some of their sources, and how uh, what the research says about the impacts of food and mental health. And so uh, that's just one of the pillars is mental health physical activity uh, food equity uh, growing your own food uh, and of course nutrition and so and then of course primary care our goal is prevention so before right. you have to go see Dr Sasser, well you need to see Dr Sasser every every <laughs> every year because it's an annual okay that's about primary care and he's making them more affordable and accessible to folks in rural and urban communities which is important um, and you know when he told me those when I'm listening to these prices, uh, uh, Seventy-five dollars, I think I heard, on the either on the high end or the low end. I don't know if you guys know, but that's a manicure now, and so you get a manicure every two weeks, and so that's to one hundred fifty dollars on your nails. And so I think that's a really good investment in your health, uh, especially if you're a woman. No shade to the sure, men, but sure, but ladies, all right. So, so you two
2: ladies had this idea. You brought in some of your colleagues, some of your friends, and formed this firm. So, what is the how do you make money at it? Do you go and, and, so we and sell your seminars, and
1: so it's been a wonderful experience because we are uh, creating. Uh, we're providing solutions to folks, right? Yeah. And so we've had. We've been blessed to have quite a few public-private partnerships uh, that make these events uh, work. And so there, that is one aspect for the, the community piece, the work that we do in the community piece. So, uh, nonprofits, for-profits, municipalities. Um, uh these federal organizations have made this work. And so they have seen how we have been able to engage folks who aren't studying about them and uh, bring them together around health and wellness. And this, it's a concept that they have funded and gotten behind. So we've been blessed in that So space. like grant funding, in other words? Yeah. Um, grant funding in a way yeah. yes grant funding in a way i um, been able to work with a few insurance companies to uh, get a lot of the work done as well and um, on the um, other side there is a corporate wellness piece that funds the majority of the work that we are able to do in the community space and so you know the uh, companies have uh have been understanding that healthy employees are happy employees, and so we've been going into organizations and doing us uh, wellness series for their employees, and, um, and that, set, that that could range from four to six sessions, uh, four to five months, around different topics around wellness, because people are calling out because, hey, my blood pressure is high. People are call, calling out um, because, you know, they're trying to uh, regulate their blood sugars, they're, they're elevated over time, so on and so forth. Kidney failure is a big thing, and we know high blood pressure and type 2 diabetes combined together as a recipe for kidney failure and we don't have time for dialysis. So that's what's going on. Folks are just trying to live and not die. And that's why they're calling upon us. You're
2: listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Ellen McKnight-Hill of the Maxine Firm and Dr. Charles Sasser of Direct Primary Care. Charles, let's talk about, um, you had mentioned that you all are able to dispense drugs. How, how is that?
3: So yeah. And at a
2: wholesale cost. That's yeah. a whole different...
3: Yeah, so, um, you know, its uh, I was not aware of um, that um, uh, capacity, really, until I started looking at this model, um, that um, there's a dispensing physician license uh, that's issued by the Board of Medicine um, that allows a physician to dispense uh, unscheduled medications, so, you know, uncontrolled, not pain medication, um, um, his own uh, prescriptions... Um, and fill them on site. So Amazing. we have a you know a pharmacy area in our clinic, and when I write a script, I go put them in a bottle. So,
2: so using this model, do you earn less than you know a primary care physician employed by the lake or or the Baton Rouge clinic? I mean, what I'm wondering is why wouldn't everybody do this? If you have fewer patients, you're able to provide better care, and um,
3: that's a, that's Why doesn't everybody a, yeah. do
2: it? It sounds like the old-fashioned yep. family doctor uh, who's got all his priorities in the right place.
3: That's a great question. Um, and um, the typical scenario that occurs is uh, um, folks in, in residency are not aware of uh, this model. I wasn't. Um, and you uh, enter into an employed uh, contract most of the time um, and uh, get nice and comfortable by the house, by the car, and then realize you're not so happy where you are. Um how are you planning on making a move? Um, mm-hmm. I get lots of phone calls from physicians who would love to do this. Um, but you know, when I explain, Hey, there is no salary. Um, I started with four patients, um, when I opened, um, and I worked nights, weekends, moonlighting to, uh, keep things afloat. Um, a lot of folks aren't willing to jump do off that. that cliff.
2: Okay. And, and, and 50 to 75 dollars is the monthly fee is that it i mean is that all i would have to pay if i was going to become your patient
3: um and i, I hate that uh, old data that we're uh we oh, d- it had to increase it we're went at, up. yeah we're at 100 <laughs> um uh now hundred dollars a month hundred dollars a month um and so what what does that cover um all visits with me there's no fees for that um uh
2: um so that is kind of in line with concierge pricing though.
3: really um they're typically uh with are about 500 a quarter a quarter Uh, though not a month um uh, they're typically more than that okay um yeah so they're typically coming in on the north side of 2000 um uh a year um Mm -hmm. and you know we are able to or I feel like we provide a, uh, a bigger service as well in that we're providing access to the medications And then we allow our individual patients to take advantage of contracts, which we have in place for our corporate clients. So for labs, um, a lab that's, well, annual labs that are about $300 um, uh, through our contracts is $11.34. An MRI that's 2,000 bucks, we pay 400 for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so on and so on with subspecialists that contract directly with us. They bill us outside of insurance um, at a much reduced rate. Uh, so we're able to pass that on to uh, our employees. It's it's been interesting that um, of the individuals we have in our practice who are not part of a company, um, how many state employees we have who have phenomenal insurance. Um, it's they the like convenience part and of the it.
0: Convenience, yeah, sure. that they don't
3: have to come to clinic for every little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're able to do long term prescriptions. You know, if somebody's on a cholesterol medication. Um, The guidelines tell us we should be monitoring their levels annually. Um, So why don't we just give them a year of pills because we're not gonna change it. Um, Well, insurance won't allow you to do that. Well, I don't bill insurance. So we give them 360 pills and let's check your levels next year.
2: you mentioned corporate clients, Ellen. Do you do you all have corporate contracts, or are you working with individual groups, or nonprofit organizations,
1: or elderly organizations? Who are your clients the, and patients? All of the above. So we worked with the council on aging, delivering uh, healthcare programming to all of their facilities in East Baton Rouge Parish. That's huge. Um, that's
2: a that's a big deal because they have a lot of facilities.
1: They do, and they're all over the parish. <laughs> So y'all By literally like bills. for
2: instance, not to get you off track, but you'll go to a council on aging facility yes. and do a little so, um show
1: offered we've offered uh, the the curriculum. So um, mental health uh, uh, sessions, uh, nutrition sessions, physical activity sessions, those type of things, cooking sessions, gardening sessions. So all the five pillars um, that we uh, uh, offer ca- have been condensed into a curriculum for children and for adults and for the, elder- and for the elderly. And for as far as, um, other organizations that we work with. We work with the staff of the YWCA, so they have a staff of 56 people there. We go to their different facilities and provided a series of wellness programming uh, for their staff because they were experiencing quite a bit of hypertension um, among their staffers. Also, the city of Badna Rouge, we work with the, the maintenance department. It's about Um, 500 people um, that are taking care of the maintenance for the parish well those are you know men and women who are uh, Mm -hmm. trying to be well as well and so they were able to bring us in and so we were able to talk about healthy eating and what does that look like um, with a busy schedule and so um, also the staff at Southern University we've gone there and um, done training with their staff as well so it's been a, a wide variety of different organizations that are invested in their employees wellness so, yeah.
2: And and I know the education part, you know, especially around healthy eating, you, you mm-hmm. want to catch them before they have to go on the cholesterol medicine that Charles oh, yeah. is talking about. But, you know, and, and you you touched on this at the beginning, but, I mean, how do we, because I used to write about it, and, but, it, like, it's one thing to preach it over and over again, and people hear it, but how do you really internalize that message when, as you say, you're growing up maybe in a food desert without access to a lot of fresh, healthy food or you know, you have to take the bus to work or you're working double
1: jobs and you don't have time to cook a, a fresh meal with lots of fresh vegetables. And so um, we have to have these conversations about culture shifts, right, and um, prioritizing what's important uh, in communities. And so it's shifting the culture and conversations around wellness, right, because we prioritize what's important to us. And so we have to keep on talking about it so that we can – correlate uh, wellness with like long-term impacts it's really and truly an investment in your health right and so um, we have spoken with Earlier, the better. So we've worked with East Baton Rouge Parish, and uh, we've done series with their uh, students. We've worked with East Baton Rouge Parish, their homeless and transitional populations of children over the summertime. We've also worked with public, um, excuse me, charter school programs um, with UREC and provided a series of wellness programming uh, for those children as well for that semester. Um, and then we also done after school programming and provided a series of wellness activities. And um, and it's been funded different ways. They, Procured grants for it. Uh, they had different partnerships, so it's uh, it's it's really really important to just introduce it early. We find that if we can get you to grow a carrot, you're more uh, prone like to, to eat, eat a carrot. <laughs> and so that research is real. It doesn't just sound fluffy and cute. Okay.
2: And 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 real quick, how do you measure? I mean, what kind of metrics do you measure?
1: You know, to determine whether you're being successful, uh, right. outcomes. Definitely. So we use good old-fashioned qu- Qualtrics. Uh, and so uh, behavioral change um, and uh, knowledge gain. So that's those the two things that we measure. Uh, we do pre- and post-evaluations, uh, especially with the, the students, um, just to gauge their um, um, behavioral change uh at the beginning and then at the end. And then, you know, the knowledge gain, what they what have what they have learned from the session. You know, can they identify a fruit? Can they identify a vegetable? How often do, will they eat them? Do they understand what physical activity is, what it can be, all the different ways that you can move? Do you know what mental health is? And that was a big one um, when we did our mental health sessions. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it means? Let's break that down for a five-year-old. And we were able to do that, especially at Glen Oaks Park Elementary. That is so
2: fantastic. And Charles, one thing I want to understand, make sure. Okay. What about the specialist piece or a hospital state when you have to refer one of your patients, um, you know, downstream? A, so people still need insurance, I guess, for that kind of stuff. Or do you have relationships with specialists?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, of course, we always um, uh, with individuals. You know, we uh, would like to see them have insurance. Um, most of our, like I say, most of our patients are part of a uh, a. Company that's self-insured and contracts with us to run their plan, so they have um, uh, Specialists coverage, in the network um, and coverage. But with that being said, we do have um, specialty clinics that we have direct contracts with that bill me outside of insurance um, and at a reduced rate. Um, so the uh, the employee is able to utilize those contracts, which are typically much lower than their network is able to uh negotiate
2: is it a narrow network or do you don't have as much choice it's
3: it's narrow in that um i really only uh am comfortable uh contracting with uh uh, independently owned practices um that brings a lot of uh, potential conflict when it's a hospital-owned group um uh, so that limits who i can contract with um and I just say, you know, I love what you're doing, um, that it's so much, you know, the two questions I get that I have difficult answers for is sleep and wait. Um, and, you know, I'm and I'm stealing this line from uh, someone I met nationally, but that, you know, fee for service is really, uh, they're into sick care. Um, if you're healthy, they would go out of business because um, you only go when you're sick. Um, and what we do is true health care and that looking at you know nutrition and how we can encourage those those lifestyle changes you know we have the time to sit and talk about that and actually move a needle rather than just check off a metric that is satisfying insurance or whoever else
1: i hate dr sasser
2: well i wish we had more time to sit and talk about this
3: because this is just
2: a fascinating conversation and y'all are both doing so much important work dr charles sasser and ellen mcknight hill bringing new types of health and wellness services as well as new models of health care delivery to people here in Louisiana, and that is such an invaluable service and also an intriguing business. You are both pioneering interesting and innovative ways of taking care of our people, and thank you both for doing that and telling your stories with us today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Dr. Charles Sasser of Direct Primary Care and Ellen McKnight Hill of the Maxine Firm. We had to edit this show to fit into the time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our unedited version and learn more about direct primary care and the Maxine Firm by going to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast on your podcast app and on our website. It's Baton if you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Photos are taken by Eric Otts. You can find more of Eric's photos on Instagram at acro, that's A-C-R-E-A-U-X. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show was engineered by Calvin Bond. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti, and our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you around the table at Mansour's again next week for more business Baton Rouge
0: style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansour's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansour's is open for lunch daily 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Joneswalker.com And by the East Baton Rouge Parish School System. Inspiring humanity through transformational learning in the classroom and community. Initiatives like Pathways to Bright Futures allow students to graduate high school with an associate degree or an industry based credential along with their high school diploma. More information at ebrschools.org and by Oxbow Rum Distillery. Local family grown small batch rum embodying the essence of Louisiana sugarcane harvest. OxbowRumDistillery.com Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, there's one sponsor slot open for 2023. To learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.